0: I'm just a little bit sleepy. And so um I don't know if I'm peppy yet. You know. So what do you want to happen right yeah, now? I I don't know, like can we can we start with some of the history stuff? Oh, yeah. I don't know, we can I can, I can be happy. What do you want me to say? you're listening to Wolf Disney, and this is our first real episode. Um, this is a podcast where we go through the Disney feature films chronologically. Um, and so this week we're talking about Snow White. I'm Natalie. I'm Sarah. And here we go. So Sarah, you said that you were going to look into the Brothers Grimm background for Snow White to start us off. Yes. So um The Grimm brothers, Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm, and Wilhelm Carl Grimm. Carl with a K? Okay, good question. Uh, Jacob's Carl is spelled with a K, and Wilhelm's is spelled with a C, which I think is really weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Two Carls, two spellings. Like, that made them like, I don't know, unique enough, but nobody knows that when you're saying it, if it's a hard K or a C. Anyways, they were brothers in the 19th century. They were raised in kind of um, like an academic setting a little bit, but then their dad died. And so they were um, like plunged into poverty. There were a bunch of kids in that family, Um, but the two brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm, are really they're like one year apart in age and so they and they're towards the older end of the children's spectrum so they take on kind of raising their family I think their mom dies pretty soon after that too um but they go off and get their education they go to college they're really poor they were if you look online um you can see the house they were raised in and it's like really pretty like mansion but then when the dad died they were like destitute and so um, they go to college, and they were disqualified from admission because of their social standing and had to request di- dispensation to study law. Wealthier students received stipends, but the brothers were excluded even from tuition aid. <laughs> it seems a little backwards to me that the wealthy kids would get an allowance. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Wealthy kids do get allowances, but not by the government. Right. Great. Um, so, anyways, they go to college. They kind of fall in love with German literature, the German language, like old German from like the 1200s, that kind of stuff. Um, and so they start collecting folk tales. There's kind of a revitalization and in, um, in Romanticism in the 18th century, um, and that revived an interest in traditional German folk tales. Um, so they started collecting them and all of that. Um, they appropriated stories as being uniquely German. So they take, for example, Little Red Riding Hood and they say that this is a German folk tale and that it highlights all the good things in German culture, but, um, but that's not true. That story existed in, in a lot of different cultures and regions, um, but there was a little bit of like German nationalism going on there. Over the years, um, they, they take these, they collect these folk tales. It kind of reminded me of, the um the ken burns country music documentary where the um the carter family the father in that family mm-hmm. all of the music that they start recording are just songs that he went and collected like if he knew somebody had a song he went and collected that song and then recorded it and made money off of it and so it kind of reminds me of this that they were collecting these folk tales So Wilhelm, this says, Wilhelm worked extensively on the prose and expanded and added detail to the stories to the point that many grew to twice the length of their original story. Um, In later editions, he polished the language to make it more enticing to a bourgeois audience, eliminating sexual elements and adding Christian elements. So those are fun to look for. Um, and then afterwards he began writing for children. So children were not his primary audience. It was like the German people in general. So they published, they published this book called Kinder und Hausmärchen. And that was like their first, um, you're trying to translate that? Mm -hmm. I can see your face. Kinder means child. I know that. (laughs) Um, and. Und is and. Yeah, I don't know what Hausmärchen Hausmärchen is okay um but anyways that was like their big body of work with a lot of the original folk t- folk tales um and okay so, oh hold on so the, the they published this book but it wasn't for that one wasn't for children but the title of it has kids in has it children in it that was confusing to me hmm. yeah it's so in the 20th century uh the work has maintained status as second only to the bible as the most popular book in germany So like they wrote this book in early 1800s and through like uh, 1999, it was like Bible (laughs) folktales, like Cinderella, Snow White, Hansel and Gretel. I don't don't know what America's would be. Mm -hmm. I don't think I wanna know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Nazi party decreed that every household should own a copy of that book. Um, And then later on when the allies occupied Germany, they banned the book. But, like, so while. The Allies banned it? The Allies did, yeah, after they came in and occupied Germany. Um, but the interesting thing is that um, the release of Snow White happens in 1937, which is in the middle of World War II. So these are some popularized traditional folktales that they did. And so we'll see if we can figure out, if you can remember, if you know which ones became Disney movies, okay? The Frog Prince. Yes. Good job. Uh, Hansel and Gretel. Uh, Maybe. It wasn't a movie movie. Yeah. I think we had a copy of it, but I think my mom taped it. Our mom taped it on, like, the Disney Channel preview weekend. Rapunzel. Yes. Tangled. Mm Mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin. No. Yes? No. Okay. (laughs) Sleeping Beauty. Um sounds familiar. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, And then the Goose Girl. Yes. Hey, it's Natalie. So at this point in the recording, Sarah does read off the entire synopsis of Goose Girl. Um, It goes on for a while and it's not incredibly relevant to Snow White in this episode. So against her wishes, I have removed it from this recording, this episode, Um, but I've saved it for maybe a future use. But that is why the podcast is about to jump back into us discussing the Grimm brothers. Those are the Grimm brothers. They wrote these fairy tales, um, these folk tales. Um, I also forgot to mention this. One of my favorite uh, tidbits about them is that they also, in 1838, they began work on a massive historical German dictionary, Deutsches Wörterbuch. Which, in their lifetimes, they completed only as far as the word fruit. So they only got to the letter F, or whatever F is in German. It'll be kind of like this podcast when we only get to the year, like, 1952. Uh Okay. So they write um, um, their own version of Snow White. It is published first in 1812 in their first edition of Grimm's Fairy Tales. At the beginning of the story, a queen sits sewing at an open window during a winter snowfall when she pricks her finger with her needle, causing three drops of red blood to drip onto the freshly fallen white snow on the black windowsill. Then she says to herself, how I wish that I had a daughter that had skin as white as snow, lips as red as blood, and hair as black as night. Sometime later, the queen gives birth to a baby daughter whom she names Snow White, but the queen dies in childbirth a short while later. So my question is, when does she name the baby? Oh, I mean, the first thing on my document says, was her given name Snow White? <laughs> what does that remind me of? What's in the movie? Is that Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty. So one of the common motifs in Grimm Brothers' fairy tales is sewing and spindles <laughs> and spinning wheels. It's weird. And the grim fairy tales, women are always sewing because it's like a virtue of womanhood or some crap like that. That's in Proverbs. Yeah. Proverbs 31. Yes. Okay. Um, so the queen dies. This Her father marries again, evil woman, practices witchcraft. Oh, um, cool. She has the mirror um, and the mirror tellers, tells her that Snow White is the fairest. Um, so she. Question. Yes, ma'am. Um, And all the research I did, whenever they refer to the mirror, they call them the slave in the mirror or the slave of the mirror. Is that in the Brothers Grimm story? Who is this person? I don't know. Let me see. Yeah, this one just says that she has a magic mirror. But I think even in the Disney version, she says like slave in the mirror or something like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. So the, the mirror tells her that Snow White is the fairest, and that makes her really mad. So she orders the huntsman to take Snow White into the forest to be killed, so that's familiar. Um, as proof that Snow White is dead, the queen demands that he return with her lungs and her liver, which she will consume in order to become as beautiful as Snow White, which I think is where inner beauty comes from, right? You consume other people's organs and that's how you get inner beauty and outer beauty. Are you doing a joke right now? I thought I was. Okay. I was just making sure. (laughs) Lungs and what? Liver. So a little bit of cannibalism. Yeah. The huntsman takes her to the forest, can't do it. Um, She tearfully begs, spare me this mockery of justice. I will run away into the forest and never come home again. And so the huntsman agrees. This was something that was different between the movie. It's not a huge difference, but she finds the house with the seven dwarves. They're not there. She, she, She eats some of their food, drinks some of their wine, tests all of their beds, and then falls asleep. And then when the dwarves come home, they know something's messed up because the house is messed up. Like they left a clean house and they came home. No. As somebody who has been messy in my life, whenever I went away to camp in the summer and we came back and mom had cleaned my room and moved things where she thought they should go, I knew immediately that somebody had been in my room. That's not the same thing, though. Mom didn't mess up your room. more. She did, did in my opinion. (laughs) Okay. uh, They find her... Uh, She wakes up, explains them what happened. They take pity on her and let her stay in exchange for housekeeping. The queen is furious when she learns that Snow White is still alive and decides to kill kill the girl herself. She appears at the dwarfs' cottage disguised as an old peddler and offers Snow White colorful, silky, laced bodices as a present. The queen laces her up so tightly that Snow White faints. The dwarves return just in time and Snow White revives and the dwarves loosen the laces. Upon hearing that her magic, from her magic mirror that Snow White is still alive, the queen dresses as a comb seller, which I would love to know what a comb seller wears so that you know, ah, this woman is a comb seller. Um, she is a comb seller and convinces Snow White to take a beautiful comb as a present. She brushes Snow White's hair with the poisoned comb. Sure. I'm not sure that poison works that way. I well, thought that was um, Diva curl is, is in a lawsuit right now because that's their true. products have been, will lose their hair and that's some people's, you know. Well, and that would affect White's beauty. Yes. That would make the queen the fairest. True. There are parabens on that comb. There are parabens. <laughs> yes. Uh, Um she combs her hair and Snow White faints again. Um, but she is again revived by the dwarves when they remove the comb from her hair. The magic mirror informs the queen that her plan has failed again, that Snow White is not dead. She so she disguises herself as a farmer's wife and offers Snow White a poisoned apple. Snow White is hesitant hesitant to accept it. So the queen cuts the apple in half, eating the white, which was harmless, half and giving the red poisoned half to Snow White. I was really... apples different in the 1800s? At first, I was like, does that mean, like, the queen ate the white part of the apple, and, like, Snow White is just into eating the peel? Or is it, like, divided in half, like, white and red? Um, I don't know, but also... Maybe Snow White deserves to die at this point because strange people keep giving her things. Well, and, and the dwarves, dwarves should take better care of her. Right? Like, bring her with you to work. Take care your- <laughs> Also, there's seven <laughs> of <your> you. Captain <laughs> Princess to work day. Right. Or there's seven of you. One of you can stay home one day a week. But not dopey because that guy is worthless. Yeah. So, let's see. She eats it. Also, why doesn't the queen just stab her a bunch of times after she passes out every time she just passes out and the queen just leaves her there? Yeah, so, so that was my question is that in the movie and and something some other synopsis I read of the story of Snow White. For some reason, it sounds like there's something that's stopping her from actually killing Snow White. Like, the reason why the curse is so good is that it doesn't oh. actually kill her. It just puts her in a deep sleep, and she'll be buried alive, was the hope. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so... i so like she, a moral is, is that, thing? Yeah, does she have some kind of moral complex where she's like, yeah. well, I I'll do anything to kill yeah. her. I, I can't be the one that kills her. yeah. Uh, Snow White takes a bite of the apple and falls down unconscious. This time, the dwarves are unable to revive Snow White. Assuming that she is dead, they place her in a glass casket. Three days later, sound familiar? Jesus. Oh. Three days later, a prince stumbles upon Snow White, which is such a weird way to phrase that. Yeah. Lying in her glass coffin during a hunting trip. With my boys. With the just hunting um, after hearing her story from the Seven Dwarves, the prince is allowed to take Snow White to her proper resting place. This is, I think, this next part, it's just a real tragedy that this next part did not make it into the Disney movie. Okay. okay. While Snow White is being transported, one of the prince's servants trips and loses his balance. The this dislodges of- the piece of poisoned apple from Snow White's throat, mm-hmm. reviving her. Huh. Three days later, just all it took was actually to Heimlich. joking on, on an apple. Um, in the first edition, which I'm not sure if that's like the Grimm Brothers' first edition or what, but in the first edition, Snow White is carried to the palace without mishap. But later, a servant, frustrated by the inconvenience caused by the prince's fawning over her, hits the body and dislodges the apple. <laughs> I like that better. (laughs) The prince is overjoyed and declares his love for Snow White. Snow White agrees to marry him. Um, And then this next part also doesn't happen in the movie. Um, So they're going to get married. They have a wedding. They invite everybody to the wedding, including Snow White's stepmother. The queen um, thinks that she's dead, but then again asks this mirror. The mirror says that the prince's bride is the fairest, and she still doesn't know. This is the mirror being kind of... I think Shady. Um, uh, She still doesn't know that it's her stepdaughter, so she arrives at the wedding to investigate this bride. Frozen with rage and fear, she tries to sow chaos, but the prince recognizes her as a threat. He orders that she wear a pair of red-hot iron slippers and dance in them until she drops dead for the attempted murder of Snow White. Some other things that are weird. Um... In the original version, it was Snow White's biological mother that was jealous. Mm. Um, it is believed that the change to a stepmother in later editions was to tone down the story for children, because that was the only thing that was like terrifying about the yeah. story. It was if it was her biological mother. If it was a stepmother, yeah, all stepmothers do that. It's totally normal to have a slave in a mirror and poison bodices. Yes. Um, This is this is another interpretation that I think Disney could have taken that would have improved the movie. In an Indian epic poem Padmavat, it includes the line, "Who is more beautiful, I or Padmavati?" Queen Nagamati asks her new parrot, and it gives a displeasing reply. That movie is missing a parrot. Yeah, she doesn't have like an animal sidekick like all the woodland creatures. Like, yes, really missing that. Uh, which I feel like most of the princesses have some like quirky. Oh no. no. I think you're confused. The queen. The queen has a parrot. Yes. Oh, that makes more sense. All the bad people have parrots and talking birds. Right. But like, it's like Iago from Aladdin. Like it could have been the predecessor. Like Iago's great, 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 great grandfather. You want to connect these movies? I do. (laughs) That's interesting. Trying to find some kind of thing. Okay, uh, last thing that I want to say: the Brothers Grimm story of Snow White takes an unusual turn from its other fairy tale counterparts in that it can be interpreted as a story with a lesson centered around desirable qualities for women. So a lot of these Grimm brother fairy tales were supposed to be instructional yeah. and teach children morals. So this one was maybe trying to teach about desirable qualities for women. So which are? Okay, the queen's defining characteristic is her cunning or intelligence, whereas Snow White's is her beauty. So which one do you think is more (laughs) desirable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intelligence or beauty? Um, Snow White consistently foils the queen's jealous attempts to kill her because strangers pity and help her due to her childlike innocence and beauty. For example, the huntsman who was ordered to kill Snow White describes her as a pretty child and lets her go. Even when the queen devises the poison apple and kills Snow White, she is saved by the prince because he finds her to be the fairest in all the land. The queen dies at the end of the story while Snow White lives happily ever after, implying that the queen's cunning was not enough to counter the power of Snow White's elegance. This suggests that the moral of the story is that beauty is more desirable than intelligence. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I just keep thinking about how this is the first movie that mom took me to. And so like, what lessons did I get out of this? You were two. I took lessons out of it. I'm sure. Um, I mean, one of the questions that I had like when, when I was watching the Disney movie was like, okay, if this is the first Disney movie and what we're supposed to take away from it is like, the princess, the damsel in distress, true love, love's first kiss, blah, 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 blah. How, and not that they would have ever done this, but like how much different would it have been if the first Disney movie had like a frozen kind of moral? Because when I watched Frozen for the first time, when Anna like falls in love with that prince, I mean, I was mad. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, why is she... And then when other people started making fun of her for it, I was like, oh, okay, good. I'm not the only one that realizes that this is crazy and that, but like, life doesn't work this way. Yeah. But Snow White does not give that lesson at all. Yeah. I also wrote down... Um, I was... Uh, for some reason, the song... I, guess, I think it's a song that she sings when before she gets to the dwarf house, and something scary happens in the woods, and she starts talking to the woodland creatures and says, sing a song when things go wrong. And it was kind of like a shamefulness of ever being afraid. Well, okay, I I wrote something down about that section too, that scene. Okay, so I wrote, I have big issues with this conversation between Snow White and the animals. (laughs) Um, But it's like right after she has that that scary forest scene and she says to them, you don't know what I've been through and all because I was afraid. I'm so ashamed of the fuss that I've made. Right. Like you just found out that your stepmother has ordered this man to kill you and bring your heart back to her. Then he says, I'm not going to kill you, but you have to run far away and never return or else you will die. And then like weird, scary things happen in the trees. But it's like this, this shame and, and and like making a fuss annoy me. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Um so in 1916, um the first like film version of Snow White was created, a silent film based on the 1912 Broadway play by Winthrop Ames. Um and it starred Margaret Clark, who was also in the Broadway production as Snow White and Creighton Hale. And Walt Disney saw it when he was 15 years old, which inspired him later, obviously, to create that as his first animated feature film. So was it then like a well-known storyline in 1937? Um, I mean, I think the Broadway play ran for a little bit. So and then in 1933, um, there's also a Betty Boop, like seven minute short, which is the Snow White plot line um and black and white. Which is um, funny because she is like overtly sexual. It's yeah, it's a very sexual version of Snow White. Um and like the Queen, which thanks to Wikipedia pointed out that the Queen is also like very reminiscent of um olive oil from Popeye. Yeah, so that's a different Snow White vibe for sure was the Betty Boop version, but it's um online for free because it's Did you watch it? Yeah, it's only seven minutes. So the dwarf names um, that came out of this 1912 and 1960 renditions, here they are. Because I don't think they were names in the Brother Grimm's. Um, no, they, the, weren't. Yeah, yeah, each, they weren't. Yeah, each one that I looked at had to like decide what the dwarf names were going to be. So here were the 1910s uh, teens' um, names. Blick, Click, Glick, Snick, Click. Wick and Quee. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of then where they came from, like with all of the um, all of their names are like adjectives, and then there's Doc. Well, there's Dopey too. No, Dopey's an adjective. Dopey's an adjective, except Quee is the Dopey character. Oh. Quee um, is this is also all of this is from Wikipedia. Quee is the youngest boy in quotation marks of the seven nearly 99 years old with an apparent chronic thievery issue um and so I found I found the original like um script of the play for like the scene where she meets the dwarves they go to work through a hole in their ground like the their house there's like a tunnel that goes straight to the mines which is kind of smart okay so um, they still work in a mine yeah so they still work in a mine and like they come marching up and I guess this happens every day where six of them arrive. And they're like, where is Kui? And then Kui comes out with all this stuff that he stole. Um, and they're all like, Kui, like, you're incorrigible. They call him that. Which I was like, this must just be a big word in the 30s. Or I guess it's the um, teens. Well, you know who else is incorrigible? Yeah, it's in Sound of Music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm incorrigible. Yeah. Um, so Wikipedia says an apparent chronic thievery issue, um, where they essentially <laughs> just, like, in front of him are, like, uh, stealing is a sin, and, like, you're never gonna, like, redeem yourself if you don't stop stealing, but then they're also, like, he's not going to stop stealing, it's just a part of who he is, like,
1: kind, oh, of, I mean, kind of, I don't know.
0: Right? <laughs> like, that's kind of advanced, like, yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's not, you can't, it's a sickness. Except in the script, after they have this conversation, one of them is like, What's everybody's requests for tomorrow? And they go through listing off stuff they want. And so I think it's them like being like, Well, Kui's gonna steal stuff anyway. And so here's what I'm going to need tomorrow. Oh, weird. So it's weird. Um, Weird. Also, he's 99 years old and is the youngest of them. So they're just, these are actual, just like old, old men. Did it explain in anything that you read, like, Who the dwarves, like, are they all brothers? Are they, they just all, like, met up somewhere at, like, little people school or? Right. Well, so, like, um, in mythology, dwarves are described as short and ugly. But in folklore, it's just old men with long beards. Um, (laughs) So They might not even be short. Yeah. I found this woman, Margarita, Margarita, Mm -hmm. von Valdeck. In the 1500s. Um, Some people believe that she is the inspiration for Snow White. Um, She has like weird, like, stepmom issues. Um, It's suggested that she died from being poisoned. But she's a real life person. She's a real life person. They suspect that she died from poison, but the stepmom died before she died. So she's actually not a suspect. And if she were poisoned, the stepmom's not considered to be. Um, and so her father owned several copper mines and a majority of the workers were children. Oh yeah. And so some child laborers in that time, this is like in the Netherlands, I think some child laborers used to live in groups of about 20 people in a single room house. Children while yeah. living in a house? <laughs> yes. Child labor in the 1500s. So that's wow. some of the internet's theories on where this originated. I mean, they're definitely not children in the, in the Disney version. I well, think- Dopey is weird. Like, Dopey has weird, creepy, childlike qualities that I don't really like. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I read that in my notes several times. Dopey creeps me out, I think. I, seven <laughs> I times. wrote, Dopey is especially troubling. Harpo marks energy. Ah, yeah, it is Harpo marks energy. Yeah. In the trailer for the movie, um, Walt Disney described him as nice, but sort of silly. Okay. So I, I think that's kind of sugarcoating that. Yeah. Um, so here's the history. Snow White is a, has a lot of firsts in its name. Um, so it's the first full-length Cell, C-E-L, animated feature film, um, and the earliest Disney animated feature film. Good, we're on the, the right start then for picking our movies. Mm-hmm. Cell animation is a technique of animation that allows for some parts of each frame to be repeated from frame to frame so if oh. snow right is talking to one character and the character is not moving they don't have to do the whole clip each single time drawing everything they can keep her listener the same well, it's not like a flipbook book. Frame. what it's not like a flip, like a flip book. like you right. have to make you have to draw the whole thing every single time right. yeah So, Disney Snow White premiered in 1937. Um, First, it premiered in California, and then it had a premiere in New York, and then in 1938, it premiered, it was released nationwide. Oh, wow. Um, Adjusted for inflation, it is the highest-grossing animated film today. Is that because they, like, released it in theaters multiple times? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Riveting podcast material we're offering right now. Um, For the movie, Walt Disney got an honorary Oscar for the film. One normal si- sized Oscar with seven miniature statuettes. Do you know who presented the Oscar to him? I do. And it's somebody who, when I was watching the movie, I thought she actually sounds like that person yeah. a couple of times. Shirley Temple. Yeah. Um, so I don't know much about animation, especially in the 30s. So I'm sure there are like a lot of renowned animators who were involved in this movie, but sorry, they don't get a shout out. Steve, he, Steve, he pioneered using uh, multiple shades of blue. That's why they called him Blue Steve. You know, you think you're kidding, but there was a whole section on the how much effort it took to find the right red for Snow White and the Witches or the Queen's faces. And I took that out of my notes because it was just too <laughs> Anyway. Tell me more just about the only animation fun fact that I have um, is that the supervising director of animation was David Hand. Um, and he was also the one who was the supervising director for Bambi. So he was the one who like just gave the okay like he was the last and final say for every animated scene um and had like the final say for if things were good enough for the movie as far as animation goes and and that's a fun fact because i'm saying that's the only like like i feel like if we happen to have friends who i don't know work for disney or something or her studying animation history they're gonna be like Oh, wow, you forgot all, of all of these animation way. model stones you're missing. And honestly, I don't I don't know and I don't truly care that okay. much. Yeah. All um, right. Another thing that I never thought of and that came up a good bit in my research for this is that when you at least at this time created animated movies, um, you would have like a human model for that character. Okay. So the model for Snow White was Marge Champion, is Marge Champion. She's still alive? She's still alive, and she's 100 years old. What? She's an actor, dancer, and was in the Broadway revival of Follies at age 81. What? Yeah. She's my hero. Yeah, I like, looked her Wikipedia page and saw 100 years old, and I was like, wow, she lived a long time. And then I was like, where's her death date? How did she die? <laughs> I was like, oh, she's still kicking. Okay. That's awesome. So the voice of Snow White is Adriana Casalotti. Oh, yes. Um. She was, for a short time, a chorus girl at MGM, and Disney found her and hired her, but she was never credited for the part. Really? Mm-hmm, wait, wait, she She does not, she gets a short end of the stick on this. Jack Benny. Oh, yeah. Media, and did a bunch of stuff according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Sorry. This is when dad would pop in and scream at Jack us. Jack Benny! <laughs> yeah. You um, don't know who Jack Benny is? In an interview, he said that he asked Walt Disney for permission to use her on his radio show, and he was told, "I'm sorry, but that voice can't be used anywhere. I don't want to spoil the illusion of Snow White." So sounds that, like Walt Disney kind of just like controlled her like the rest of her life, at least in in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she only had two more jobs in the film business. Is she still alive? No. Here are her two jobs in the film business. One is a movie you really like, and one is a movie you really don't like. Ooh. Um, mm, movie I really don't like is Prancer. Okay, so she it's been the 30s and 40s. So, the first one. Ooh, oh, it's A Wonderful Life. Yeah. That. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, wow. She had an uncredited role in It's A Wonderful Life as a singer at, in Martini's Bar. Which also the voice of the Slave of the Magic Mirror was also in It's a Wonderful Life. Jimmy Stewart? He was the voice of the Senior Angel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That gets Clarence's job. Sure. I
1: hate
0: Um, that movie. I've seen it once, and that's enough. So um, So she was in that, and what was the other one? One I really love. Mm Mm-hmm. In the 30s and 40s? In the 30s. 30s. Oh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So I want to say a lot of Wizard of Oz stuff in this research. um, Um, Oh, for our podcast listeners, The Wizard of Oz was my favorite movie growing up. And when Natalie was born and came of age at like three, um, we were not allowed to watch it anymore because she was afraid of it. So it's a little bit of a tense thing for us. So she was, do you want to guess what she was? Is she a character that I would recognize? Um. Since I haven't seen this movie in a very long time, it's unclear if she she was physically in the movie or if just her voice was a part of the movie. Oh, was she the... uh, This is the woman that was voicing Snow White, right? Yes. Okay, was she the voice of one of the ballerina chipmunks? What do they call their chipmunks? Munchkins? (laughs) Munchkins. Was she I, one of the ballet? I don't think so. The the, the lullaby league. <laughs> I don't think so. Or she was the voice of Juliet in the Ten Man Song, speaking the line, "Where, I, if- Where we all? I never would have guessed that. So that's her. Wow. Um, yeah. Walt Disney kind of said, "No, you're, oh, not and you don't get to do anything else in Hollywood. Yeah, because that was uh two years later in '39. Yeah, it was." When was the that horrible movie made? I think Wonderful Life was like forty-two 40s. or forty-five. Yeah, 40s. yeah. Walt Disney. Yeah. Um. That's awful. Yeah. Also, oh, my other question is, um, did that continue in future movies of not giving credit to voice actors? Yeah, I don't know because that's not just her in this movie. That's not credited for stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. So at age 75, she re recorded the song I'm Wishing for the Snow White Wishing Wall at Disneyland in the early 1990s. Did her voice sound the same? Because yeah, I don't know. Age. And she was named a Disney Legend, which is an award Fair. that came out in the 90s, I think, is when it started. Um, in 1994, and she was the first female, act, female voice actor to get the award. I wish that she got more out of this. Yeah, that sucks. So I feel like she has a very memorable voice, like whether you like it or not. Um, (laughs) Very distinct and high pitched. Yeah. All right. So now to Walt Disney, another creation of the movie. Okay. So one evening in 1934, Walt Disney acted out the entire story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to his staff. I'm sorry. What? Say that again. (laughs) One evening in 1934, Walt Disney and his staff were just together, I guess, in a room. And he acted out the entire story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Sober. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminds <laughs> you of the stories you hear about Bohemian Rhapsody being written when Freddie Mercury just like shows up and is like, "I have this yeah. opera," and they're all just like, what? and he just kind of sings it and then That's says, great. "That's enough for today. Like we'll do more tomorrow." Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if there was alcohol involved, but I just don't think like, I'd be able to keep a straight face if suddenly my boss um, because it's very clear in the next fact is that people were not optimistic about this movie at all. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining like if he's really acting it out is he like yeah. like I'm still like I'm Prince Charming. I'm the Chipmunk like yeah, or like the scene from Enchanted when the Chipmunk does act out her being yes! by the apple. Which is a very good scene and Oh my gosh, that's so good. So Disney's wife Lillian and his brother Roy both attempted several times to talk him out of creating this movie. And the industry referred to the film as Disney's Folly. This is so they had like a list, they had like an endless list of dwarf names, but these were some of them jumpy, dizzy, 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 Wheezy, oh. Baldy, oh. Gabby, Gabby? Gabby. He talks a lot, I guess. Oh, so, yeah. Nifty. I wouldn't mind that. And then Swift, which doesn't at all follow any of the rules. Lazy. Oh. Puffy, which. I don't even know what that's describing. Yeah. <laughs> he, wears, he wears one of those puffy coats, like Puff Daddy. Stuffy. Tubby. Oh. Shorty. Huh. And burpee. I'm glad that didn't make it in I don't want to hear somebody burp Jumpy was one of the ones that almost made the cut so um, in the beginning when they were writing it it was originally going to be more focused on the dwarfs Um, and so like a lot of the focus when they were creating the storyline was just like focused on the gags and comedy of it and so Disney offered five dollars for each of his animators and writers for every gag they came up with Oh. It's like one of the gags is that like when they meet her, they like pop their heads down at the foot of the bed and their noses all pop up. That was like a gag somebody wrote and got $5 for. That's uh, hilarious.
1: That
0: is a a gag. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so Disney changes mind at some point through their writing of it um, and decided that they should develop the relationship between Snow White and the Queen and less so the dwarfs. So it sounds like there were, like, a lot of scenes that were actually, like, fully animated for the most part of just the dwarfs. It, like... That got cut? Yeah. There was, like, one where the dwarfs like, were coming up with a gift to give Snow White and just, like... Just scenes are just put in there for the comedy and, like, not for the actual plot development. Well, there's and, a lot of that because there were, there were some other things, like, you know... I mean, I'm just not good at sitting still for a movie and like when they're sleeping and it's like five minutes of like, okay, now this fly is going to go in and out of sleepy's mouth. And then um, what's his face is going to be in the like big sink where we wash our dishes. And then he's going to gargle and is snoring. And I didn't need that. It did not help me understand the relationship between Snow White and her stepmother. It just made me mad. Okay. This was the first American film to have a soundtrack album released in conjunction with the feature film. Um, before that, soundtracks were considered worthless, and like there was no idea of that ever being a money-making tool. Mm -hmm. It inspired MGM to make its own fantasy film, The Wizard of Oz. Oh! Well, hey! That has redeemed Snow White for me. And the same goes for the creation of Gulliver's Travels, and so both those came out in 1939. It was... Re released in 1944 to raise revenue for the Disney studio during World War II. That's when I was two. Mom took me. And this set a tradition for re releasing Disney animated features every seven to ten years. Um, Disney produced the Broadway musical version of it in 1979. That lasted for a year. Wasn't huh. successful, it sounds like. Does Disney produce like when Lion King goes to Broadway? I don't know. Okay. Maybe mom's not a fan we know yeah we heard last week um there was a canceled prequel the disney Toon studios w- wanted to create a movie called the seven dwarfs and was going to be about how the dwarfs met i wish this would wish want, was created that is the movie that i need how the dwarfs met how the queen killed snow white's father and took the throne i didn't even know that was part of the storyline yeah so before it was even canceled, they changed the, the focus of it. And the focus was now going to be how Dopey lost his voice upon witnessing the death of his mother. It got real dark. Yeah. And but just, also in the movie, in the movie, Sinner- never tried. Snow White says to one of the, or all the dwarves, I don't know, yeah. about Dopey, like, can he not talk? And somebody says he doesn't know he's never tried yeah. so you can't make that movie well unless he just like lied to them by not talking by not them. talking you can't lie um and so in, in 2006 dwarfs was just canceled uh it was called the seven dwarfs oh <laughs> dwarfs um and in 2016 disney announced a live action adaptation that's gonna happen Except principal photography was scheduled to begin in March 2020, so... They're not doing that that now. Assuming that is delayed. That's my history. And So I was watching the movie, and I thought, I wonder if there are any Easter eggs in this movie. And so Easter eggs are like little things that animators will slip in that will preview future movies or remember old movies. Um, What are some Easter eggs in the original cut of Disney's Snow White and Seven Dwarfs? Somebody answered and said, not an Easter egg, but an amusing bit of trivia. Ever wonder why the prince has such a bit part despite getting to hog up most of the glory in the end? You might, in your logical noggin, assume that this is because the character of the prince tends to have an even smaller part in previous written stories of the written versions of the story. You would be wrong. The truth is Disney Disney was ready and willing to give the prince a more important character developing and romantic plot furthering role but most of his on-screen time was ultimately cut because the animation team were finding it too difficult to animate a convincing, realistic male. Okay. Yeah. Did you read that? No, but there was like on the opposite spectrum, there was emphasis um, like while the rest were trying to learn how to animate One of them was just very good. It said like at the female anatomy or something and like they put him in charge of doing Snow White. What does that even mean? Yeah and I was like how I don't understand why you guys can do woman but not man. Good at drawing boobs. Been drawn in my like textbooks since third grade. Yeah. Um, Yeah so it says um, it was originally planned that jealous of the prince's affections for Snow White, the queen would have him brought to her and she would have him locked in her dungeon. And so there was like this whole other storyline that Disney had written. Um, but the idea was abandoned when it was realized how difficult it was to animate the prince convincingly. And the character only appeared when he needed to further the story, which yeah. centered primarily around the relationship between, the, between Snow White and the queen. But then there were comics that were released to promote the film that did include like scenes where the witch locks up the prince and tells him what her plans are for Snow White, telling him that she will win his affections, that kind of stuff. Um, But this this website says, "Well, I mean, look at him. (laughs) Such, I mean, it is is not good. I'm gonna I'm just gonna show you what they have." My first note I wrote down was just the prince's eyeshadow question mark um <laughs> as like more make like i'm used to actors sometimes having obvious makeup but there's no reason to put eyeliner on I a mean, cartoon there's no like defined facial features i mean there's like two little circles for the nostrils but then there's like you no know, what men are boring I guess that's what we're learning here, men are only needed to further plot and family lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also wondered, I don't think I've ever heard anybody when asked who's your favorite Disney princess say Snow White. Yeah. And I know like part of that's probably just because it is so old and so like little girls often just like the ones that came out while they're little appeal to them maybe, especially now that we have like a lot of cooler princesses. Um. I truly don't think I've ever met anybody who has just been like, yeah, Snow White's my favorite. But also, like, why would you pick her? Yeah, I don't know. Based on the Disney movie, she's kind of lame. Yeah. Like, she's definitely my least favorite uh, female protagonist. Ever? In the Disney movies. Okay. That you know of. That I know of. of the seven that I've seen yeah Yeah, maybe I will like if there's a princess in the Aristocats which I said I was looking forward to I might like that or might not like that one but you didn't say princess you just said female protagonist (sighs) should we go into our our reactions to the movie sure Um, so she's a scullery maid Uh huh. Cinderella also is a scullery maid Oh, good connection. Two, two Disney scholarly mates. Do we know where her father was in Snow White? We don't, right? Yeah, which I'm confused by because they, which I hated having to read, but like they show like the little story book in the beginning and okay. end. And I'm like, yeah. one, this is lazy writing. Right, that was my question. Where does that come from? Like this, how will we start this movie? Well, let's just have a book because so many of these older movies start with like, here's a book and I guess it tells us that it's an old story but yeah I think part of it is like putting the viewer into like the perspective of like being a kid being told a fairy tale um but it's like now we're going to act and animate it for you which is fine whatever but like if you're into all that like if you're gonna put that energy into it then explain where her like add one more page to the book and explain where her dad is because either he's dead and that's why he's not intervening with his wife trying to kill his daughter right or he's just oblivious. And I wrote down um, questions about royalty, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. How was it okay for Snow White to be a scullery maid? Because she's <clears throat> in, in, the, in the beginning of the movie, you know, you see her and she's like wearing rags. She's wearing what would have been probably the 19th century version of Crocs. Um, and-, and clogs. Wooden clogs. I'm just saying, like if they're remaking it now, surely she'll be wearing crocs, right? Toms, maybe. Toms and Crocs are very different. <laughs> um, but but what was what I thought was interesting was when the huntsman takes her out to like go pick wildflowers, she's dressed like a princess. So right. Yeah, so, I was confused by that. Like everyone within the castle knows that she is functioning as a scullery maid but like maybe people outside the castle recognize her as their princess like what and the dwarves recognize her what she just likes to be comfy that's like (laughs) me like i'm like on sunday morning sure i'll put on a dress i guess because i'm leading worship or something just wait she's suddenly in the public eye having to wear a princess clothes but at home in my castle i don't wear that i'm not sure that's the same thing you just brought up something also that I had in my notes. Um, how is it okay for her to be a skeleton maid? No, you said one more thing. Oh, the dwarfs. Yeah. I was confused by the dwarfs immediately knowing that the queen was evil. So like then I was like, okay, so if they know the queen's evil, then everybody else has to know the queen's evil, or just if you're like the lowest in society, you know, because like she's the point. done something bad to your group. Um, uh, but they also know about Snow White. <laughs> And so I was like, how disconnected are you actually? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was confusing to me. Okay, so, um, so the beginning, I wrote down wishes are a big thing in early Disney, because I have already watched um, Pinocchio, and there's like a whole wish thing, but then I would be really creeped out. First of all, I would never be singing into a well, but like if I were singing about my like true love and then he joined me in the song, I would have been like, this is a solo, (laughs) not a duet. Um, Who are you? Please go away. But also like, I just want to give kudos to the prince for seeing her beauty through the rags that she was wearing. I mean... If that's not true love, I just don't know what is. It's inner beauty. So he joins her in song and then she goes, oh, and like runs and goes into her room, I guess, in the castle. Um, But then they continue their duet and then she sends a bird to give him a kiss. I don't know. It's weird. It's real weird. Yeah. Okay. Um... Let's see. So she is picking wildflowers. I wrote, if she were singing that one song the whole time, like the one song, one song while she was picking wildflowers, I might want to kill her too. Yeah. Not a fan of any of the songs in this movie. Maybe the dwarf songs, but like. The dwarf songs are, are tolerable. Like the washing up song, um, yeah was was comical but the one song it was timely too i was like oh well, we should start singing this maybe while we wash." Yeah, i wrote that down <laughs> i yeah at one point i wrote the seven dwarves would not have survived the coronavirus and then i said <laughs> okay maybe now they would <laughs> well they also like for self-isolated they would have been fine That's true and then, and then oh no White showed up from the city yeah, yeah true yeah, so I said uh, if she were singing the, that one song song while she was picking Wildflowers, I might be yeah. tempted to kill her too. Again, watching this, knowing this is the first movie I saw, um, the whole forest scene is terrifying. All of the trees, um, anthropomorphism, they're like grabbing at her, alligator logs, terrifying. Yeah. Um, but then again, like we've said before, um, I have big issues with a conversation between Snow White and the animals after she like stops sobbing in the woods, where she says, "You don't know what I've been through, and all because I was afraid, I'm so af- ashamed of the fuss I've made, which is like women taking up space and being afraid to take up space. I think yeah. I'm just going to like put a feminist slant on this and just say, "This is crap." Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also said, so she's like, has this conversation with the animals and they're like, you know, and she goes, I need a place to stay. And they're going to like take her and the birds grab her cloak or whatever that's called cape and like drag her or pull her a little bit. I said, it would take her forever to run a 5k because every 10 steps she has to stop and clasp her hands and in the beauty all around her. Um, and that if I were an animal, I would be really annoyed with her progress. It would drive me crazy. Yeah. I'm not a Snow White fan. I think that that's becoming obvious. (laughs) Um, When she gets to the dwarf's house, she goes into a house that is not hers. So that's obviously a big security issue. When she takes in her surroundings, the things that are um, alarming to her would be the opposite of alarming to me. So uh for example, there is a pickaxe in the middle of the dining room table and, and she's like, Oh, a pickaxe. But then the shoe, the yep. shoe is the thing that really annoys her. I rerumed it twice to be like, did I miss like did I miss <laughs> something in the <this> sequence? <laughs> I wrote down, okay, so she's totally fine with the pickaxe just being slammed into the middle of the kitchen table. <laughs> the and then the shoe <laughs> like causes her to like giggle and be like, Oh my goodness. That was really confusing for me. I said, the cleanup song is about the time that I would abandon Snow White. (laughs) Like, if I were one of the animals. I said, she's really bossy. and She's like, that is not how we clean. Do this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, like, you have this broom, and you're just kind of doing this. But, like, all the other animals are doing everything. Yeah. I watched closely, because I was suspicious of her, like, employing these animals to just clean and then at first they were just like, all just doing it wrong. And I was like, huh, I wonder if she's gonna correct them or if she's gonna just keep singing. And she does correct them, which is like, good, good, good. Like, we also can't teach kids that they can just like sweep their dust under the rug, literally. But I think she does do some cleaning. So I think I would've, she does something. She obviously cooks dinner because there's like a stew yeah. Ring. yeah. I did write down, um, chipmunks are pretty cute. I think that they're probably my favorite characters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Um, the doors come and I just have a lot of questions about their, um, livelihood. It seems like that's their mind. They say that in their words, our mind, that they would be billionaires. I mean, they would be yeah. like the Jared's of right. make-believe world. Um, and is that but, how they know the queen is that they have to go into town to like the marketplace to uh, sell these things? Yeah. Maybe they like. That's how she gets her, like... In which one do they send to sell these things? Happy. He was, like, one of my least favorite ones, but I think he'd probably be the most efficient in, like, sucking up to a queen. I noticed a similarity between Dopey and a person on a recently very popular reality show on Netflix. Um, Is he the one who Jessica ends up with on Love is a Different By reality show, I think I mean documentary. From Tiger King? Mm-hmm. I haven't finished Tiger King. Oh, yes. The man with a few teeth. Yes. One of his husbands. Um, sticking, sticking with Dopey. At the end of their shift, um, they all throw their gems into the vault, which is very obviously named vault above it. Um, they don't live on site. They live far, they away. They throw all their stuff in and dopey is the one to make sure that the vault is locked. And where do they keep the key right outside the vault? So That's their time. what are they? Keep, why are they locking it? What are, they're keeping something in the vault is what that means. They're There's keep- no point in locking it. If you're keeping the key right outside, unless you're locking something in, which suggests a more sinister view of the dwarves. You're always locking something in a vault. I understand that, but you're but you're locking something in so that it cannot get out. That would be no different if they kept the key in Doc's wallet. Yes, it would, because anyone that walks up can get whatever they want out of the vault. It's like it's like the Andy Griffith show where um like Otis Okay. Otis would get drunk and then they would walk him. He would he would go and like turn himself in and he would walk into the jail cell and put the key on the little peg outside the jail cell because he knew he needed to stay in there. Why would you ever, if it was worth locking up, why would you ever leave the key there? And why would you give the key to dopey? I mean, it's, it's just all very poor business practice. I think yep. big issue with that. I put it in all caps. So we're talking about the dwarfs now <laughs> as individuals. So I have some more historical fact, not historical right. facts, but, um, historical facts, about make believe characters so the voice actor who did doc was named roy atwell Mm -hmm. he was known for quote playing characters that misdeliver their lines or stammer that's pretty convenient yeah and so i went to his wikipedia page and like one of his first times on stage i think broadway if not just like a local play production he did actually like completely misdeliver a line like he just like he got nervous and messed up all the like starting letters of every word like the cadence of a sentence was still right and so the audience like thought it was hilarious like a really good like comedy act it's like yeah. it was well received but he thought he was gonna be fired immediately on the spot but the director was like no that was great like, let's keep doing this and so this man just became known as like the person who whose comedy is just stammering and getting lines incorrect. And that's not the only one this is. Doby. Doby wasn't good at memorizing lines. We just didn't have any. No, no, no. Sneezy. Oh, Sneezy. Sneezy was played by Billy Gilbert and he was known for his comic sneeze routines. (laughs) It was a simpler time. You know who else he plays? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. He also plays the giant and fun and fancy free. And one of the major Ooh, plot points is the giant funny. doing, like, a huge sneeze on green stock and, every, and the house gets blown up. Yeah. It's yeah, the same actor. His, his bit was just sneezing. So for Sneezy, I remembered that for a long time, I thought that you could just put your finger under your nose to stop a sneeze. No, it doesn't much. do anything. <laughs> like that's been my coronavirus technique, actually. Uh, <laughs> your finger, And then angry. I wrote angry and his wiles talk. Who hurt him? Grumpy? You wrote angry? It's grumpy. Grumpy. <laughs> well. I thought you were still going over, like, like rejected names. <laughs> no, I forgot his name. Go on. Well, I was talking about Snow White to my friend Josh, who loves Disney. And um, he did point out, which, like, I kind of picked up on this he is grumpy and is kind of the worst but also he's the only reason why the plot moves along in the movie yeah um well i mean also like grumpy doc and dopey i would say like are the only three that really have any kind of like character development oh for sure um in the movie as far as the dwarfs go and even really just grumpy i would say not even doc i would say grumpy and dopey what is dopey's character development well, just, like, when, when Snow White asks why he doesn't talk, like, you get something. And oh, you get information, is, yeah. And yeah. Sneezy has hay fever, which I was glad they included that. Would you know that? Yeah. Yeah, and so Grumpy, like, I think you're, I mean, you're supposed to, like, not like him because he's grumpy, but he also. I liked like, Grumpy. I love- went out several times. I identify with Grumpy. I think I identify most with Grumpy. <laughs> like, like, he's, I mean, there is a stranger in your house. Yeah. So he, like, the first thing he does is he looks for uh, poison in the stew pot. Yeah. He's like, there's poison in there. I'm like, yes, yes, good, good, gut instinct, Grumpy, because you don't take str- uh, candy from strangers. You don't get into their van. Like, this is basically what Snow White is doing to them. He is the opposite of, like, naive Snow White. He is alert and suspicious. Oh, the foil. Yes. Yeah. He is a foil character. First, outer, inner, last. That's a math mm-hmm. Um, okay, Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, I researched it. I did too. <laughs> what did you find out? Well, Doc, I think, says Jiminy Cricket a lot. One of them. I think it's Doc. It gets it gets said at least twice. Yeah. And so I wrote down, knowing that Pinocchio comes next, and mm-hmm. that's who I know Jiminy Cricket from. I was wondering yes. if it was just a cultural thing. and Yes. I mean, it is just a replacement for Jesus Christ. As, yes! And it was created... By like somebody created that as a phrase before this the Jimmy Cricket? Yeah. Italian, I think. I think so. Um, so but as far as like it being used in film, there are two movies in that era that used it besides Pinocchio. Oh. It was used in Snow White, and then it was also used in It's a Wonderful Life? No. Oh, it was German's? Uh-huh. Dorothy says it. Dorothy says yeah. She says it, I think, so, yeah. um, she says that, I think when the, she says that the wizard is... Oh, really? Person. I think so. I think that's in what... Behind her. the curtain? Yeah, I think so. Which I think she also, Judy Garland herself, says it, like, as another character sometime else, like, in the 40s or something. So I think that might yeah. have also just been her. Again, with them working in a gem mine, and they have a vault, they lock up. Why do they have to take their pickaxes with them home? Why can't they just leave them on the work site? Is someone gonna steal their pickaxes? That's responsible. Is it? Put it in the vault. Clean up after yourself. Put it in the vault. That's cleaning it your after yourself. Put it in the vault. Maybe something's dangerous in there if they have a pickaxe. <sighs> that's a problem. one. Well, then that's the question that we keep coming back to. That there is somebody in the vault that like they that. are locking in. Like the eighth dwarf. Glick? Is that the one that was Click. weird? Yeah. Klee? Kui? Kui is in the vault, I think. <laughs> Okay. That's my theory. Um, The dwarves come home from the mine and Snow White can sleep through anything, Um, which also then I guess explains her like sleep of death (laughs) because nothing wakes her. Yeah. Also, like even if like it's easy for me to fall, like I don't have issues sleeping. Um, I can fall asleep pretty quickly most places. But if I knew that I was one stretched across three beds in order to fit, and two had no clue whose house I was in.
1: The house I did never ever think, wish I'd be in. I
0: would ever be in the bed a nap. If I were that tired, oh it still would not be a deep sleep. I would be waking up every ten minutes with every noise. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess the only, I mean, one um, exam or an example excuse for that would be um, the adrenaline rush of this huntsman is here to kill you. You're running through the forest. You you've made all these animal friends. You have cleaned. And then all of a sudden, you have that crash after the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Well, also, the animals are there with her. That is true. And so, like, they do kind of protect her. And, like... Not- but then some of the birds, when the, when the dwarves come back, the birds then, like, make those unnecessary noises that lead them upstairs. Yes! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so weird. Um, Man, you really take a lot of dwarf notes, huh? I did. <laughs> big question that I had was when uh, she makes them wash up. And so I watch, I watch everything with captions because I don't want to miss anything. And there's one moment when they are all washing except for Grumpy, who is like, or angry. I think Natalie, that's what you call (laughs) him. When Grumpy is like you know, folding his arms, he's not going to do it. Um, all the other dwarfs are washing, <laughs> and happy says, Never say die, never say die. <laughs> yeah, what? I think there are on at that point, too. Uh, so the queen then asks mm-hmm. the mirror, Who's the fairest? and he says, still and, one, and the mirror, yeah, is, is pretty honest. So then she, one of the questions I had was does she have any diplomatic duties like ribbon cutting yeah anything like that like you know feeding peasants and famine like does any of that happen because every time we see her she is talking to this mirror basement yeah yeah and so then she goes down and then she has a very interesting bell that she finds in her book So, first of all, she has a book collection that are all... I paused on the book collection to see what books they were. Yeah, it's like Alchemy Disguises is a book. That's the one that she uses for the... Yeah, so she pulls out disguises, which to me, a disguise is different than, like, a transformation. Like, a disguise is, like, get um, those black glasses with, like, the big nose and the mustache. (laughs) Like, that's a disguise. Um, But this, like, completely transforms her. So, the spell is... Mummy dust to make me old, black of night to shroud my clothes, old hags cackle to age my voice, scream of fright to whiten my hair, blast of wind to fan my hate, a thunderbolt to mix it well. And she has all those at at the ready. Including, like, to be, why do you need Black of Night to shroud your clothes? Like, it, that's, that's a costume change. You don't have a black cloak to just wear. And just use a spoon to stir it. You don't need a lightning bolt. Right. You need a thunderbolt. Or a thunderbolt. It's weird. Yeah, that was, that was that. And then she had another spell for the poison apple, but that one was not as, like, detailed. Oh, because I think it, I think she... It happens later. Yeah, so she makes... The potion to change her into an old hag, and then you like cut over to the dwarfs and party. their music number. Yeah. <laughs> this, the of my notes is the queen's disguise is still terrifying because um, that does hold up in my yeah. memories. <laughs> then dwarf party looks kind of lit. Yeah, so she um, she transforms into a hag and finds the. Um, recipe for the poison apple. Then you go back to the dwarf's house, and you have a racist moment number one, um, where Dopey gets hit with a symbol, and it puts it on his head, and his eyes maybe reflect that of an Asian person, and so it is a, yep, yep. a little like why, like why you have a great movie going on? It's your first movie. Why? What? What does that add? Um, again, I wrote Doby is just really weird. He creeps. Somebody me out. got five dollars for that gag. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're so right. I mean, oh my Jiminy crickets. You are so right. (sighs) That is gross. Oh yeah. So then dopey and sneezy form a giant human and they dance with Snow White. Um, and that reminded me of when I was teaching and I had students that would sneeze dramatically and it drove me crazy because it would disrupt the entire class and they'd go this is how I sneeze and I would say do you sneeze like that in church and they would say no and I would say all right well so for now on this is church this classroom is church if you're not gonna sneeze the way you would sneeze in church don't sneeze that way in this classroom and that's kind of how I felt about sleep about sneezy at this point in the movie like buddy I get you have hay fever but like stifle it you ruined the party it was lit so then there, um, she tells them a bedtime story about the prince, but I said, what does she know about the prince? They ask her questions, and one is, is he strong and handsome? Is he big and tall? And she says, there's nobody like him anywhere at all. What's your worldview? Yeah. You're stuck in this castle, in your rags, gullery maid. There might be more like him, or even, like, with more personality, because this guy, um... And that it was a little presumptuous of her to enforce a bedtime at her first day in the dwarves' house. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of their, like, rollicking party, she's like, oh my god, it's past bedtime. And I'd be like, who do you think you are? This is where I live. Yeah. yeah. Um, after that, the next morning, the dwarves leave to go work in their mine, which we've already talked about. Like, why all of them are, like... Mm-hmm be careful. Don't talk to strangers. Like they know, they know her story. Like they know the huntsman was sent to kill her. They know the queen wants her dead. They're like, beware of strangers. Like if I were, you know, a ninth grade English teacher, I'd be like, foreshadowing, foreshadowing, this is going to happen. Um, but then, but then you get into a weird kissing scene where she kisses everyone's head. I think it's confused. Like, I don't, th- I don't know what the relationship is supposed to be. Between Snow White and the dwarves. Yeah. And again, Dopey creeps me out. It's just, and that, that was like the Harpo Marx moment where he's like jumping back through yeah. the window to get extra kisses. I and mean, maybe that's where I was associating that because Harpo Marx is definitely like a woman yeah. who's ever, like, a, like chases nurses all the time. Right. Uh, but maybe yeah maybe Dopey doesn't have that motivation yeah Um, in that same scene Grumpy is like still kind of on the fence but then you realize he does want her to kiss him on his head Mm -hmm. Um, and she says why Grumpy you do care which is an answer to her prayer from the night before so in this section we get an answer to prayer so then um, the evil queen makes her way. She finds some animal friends, but they are a little bit different oh, yeah. <laughs> from the ship They are. They are buzzards. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I don't know. just frustrates me because the dwarves are leaving and they're like, don't talk to strangers. Don't forget the queen's after you. And then she's making these pies and the queen shows up and it's a hag. But the the queen's like, are you all alone, my pet? And she goes, yes, I am. Like, no, no, my like big brother who is the weightlifting champion of right. wherever we are, Germany, is here too, and he is a black belt in like taekwondo. So, um, so then the animals are watching. I said, animals are going to go get the dwarfs. It seems like the animals should have divided and conquered. Some stay with Snow White and some go with the dwarfs. Instead, they all go to get the dwarfs, which leaves Snow White to say, A wishing apple? I'd love a wishing apple. Um, and she's going to wish not for her stepmother to die, but to find her true love. I'd be like, My number one goal is to get rid of this woman that wants to kill me. And then we can find this guy. But like, like, my own safety is first. I feel like if she had said that, the movie would have ended differently some way. I don't really know how, but I think if she (laughs) had said, I (laughs) wish for my stepmom to die, the witch other would have just lost her disguise and actually killed her. I would love to see that movie. Yeah. Or, like, been terrified and run away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what would happen. Um, But it would not have been great. It cuts to... The animals approach the dwarfs trying to trying to get the dwarves to um to follow them. And only Sleepy figures it out and and, and that's in like his maybe they're trying to tell us that, that Snow White's in danger. Um but then it cuts back to Snow White and the witch. And Snow White is still wishing. <laughs> it's like it's like a three year old trying to tell you a story. One time, one time And I... Uh, Um, and, uh, and, (laughs) and and even the queen is like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, finish your wish. I like rewound to rewatch the part where she does take a bite of the apple and then passes out, faints, whatever. Um, Uh, why can't we see that? Yeah. You can see the queen turning into the hag. Yeah. And they don't show her falling. I think they show her like about to bite it. And then suddenly it's just, like, her feet on the ground behind, like, a chimney or something that would not at all, I like, fire And yeah. it's a weird line to draw. because It's like even they knew that this was, like, a weird plot point. would <laughs> yeah. like, not regularly be explained. Yeah. Uh, Snow White bites the apple. Uh-huh. And we see her hand fall <laughs> in a dramatic fashion. The dwarves come back and they chase the queen up a mountain. Yeah. Um. And she says, "I will crush your bones." Um. And she like tries to loose that giant boulder to topple the dwarfs, but then lightning strikes like the edge of the rock that she's on. And then just to make sure that she's really dead, the the rock that she was trying to put onto the dwarfs then like topples her over. Um. And then the buzzards go after her. It mm-hmm. seems like. Yeah. So it's like, they don't really have a loyalty. Um, and then we get like the sad morning funeral scene, which is kind of weird. Yep. Yeah. Was there a narrator or like another book explaining this part? Um, <laughs> Walt Disney has no way to figure out how to progress <laughs> this plot. And so they Agreed. go back to that. Remember when we were reading that book at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. We show you some pages. And so it says, I wrote it down. It says, so beautiful even in death that the dwarfs could not find it in their hearts to bury her. And so the next page is, they fashioned a coffin of glass and kept eternal vigil at her side. Yes. Which, like eternal, That's kind of exaggerating. It's still not gonna work. Mm-hmm. The Peter prince who had coffin. searched far and wide heard of the maiden who slept in the glass coffin. And that's when he shows up. I wrote, the dwarfs will not bury her because she was so beautiful, question mark, question mark, question mark. She's not going to stay beautiful because yes. dead people decompose. Yes. Also, how did the prince hear of her if everybody, like, were the dwarfs go, like, were the woodland creatures going and then gossiping? um, Do people know that the queen has died? Did he know that he was potentially going to see Snow White? Or was he just like, oh, there's a maiden here and somebody go visit her and hope that, like, she, I can wake her up with a kiss? <laughs> like, I don't if it's that then like i really don't trust him before he shows up the dwarfs open the glass casket and i just don't really understand that action either like you should keep the dead in that glass i was wondering about that too because i was like well okay if it's a casket and it's glass why would you ever need to open it and and that would be weird if Prince was like i just really want to kiss her (laughs) but instead one of them, like, sleepy or bashful, one of them, like, puts flowers in her hand. And so I think that's why. Like, does he know that kissing her will wake her up? Mm-hmm. Or is he just kissing a dead body that he's either maybe seen once and sang a duet with or is just, like, a very pretty maiden that he's heard about? And then she wakes up, and then she does the move that we always talk to our dog about, the stretch and grow. Her first action after waking up is... Uh, oh. Like I the stretching up in the uh, dwarf's bed. She's a stretch and grower. Yeah, like she's she's very. Yeah. It's it's an action of somebody who has no cares in the world. And yes, I know that people didn't court for a long time back then, but like this is basically half of a stanza worth of a romance that she has clung to and will wake up to. I guess I guess if it's true love's kiss, then it has to be real, but. It's just, it just seems a little rushed. Yeah. I wrote, wow, there's a lot of blue ends here. <laughs> Whose kingdom do they go back to? We know that in the original version, they go back to his kingdom and they invite her stepmother who then has to wear the shoes and dance until she dies. I wrote, um, felt like a rushed ending, <laughs> similar to the ending of John, but there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that were written. Right. Like, Which, like, to be fair, it is the first movie of this type. And so I bet they were like, we have no clue what attention spans are even like as far as cartoons go. And, like, that's true. What do people come to the it's... theater to watch? Do they care about the end? Or just like, do they just want to see the dwarfs party? We don't know. Um, the dwarf yeah. party was good. The dwarf party was good. But, okay, so that's that's a good point that you made. Um, This is the first movie. Yeah. And I feel like... I think it's really watched... good for a first yeah, attempt. Yeah, I definitely watched it with a critical eye. a, a half-long cartoon movie. I just have a big issue with the storyline of, of the, the the prince and Snow White. To be fair, for this whole series of podcast episodes, I think this will come up for most romance plot lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I created um, a thing I'm going to do, I think, for every episode. It's called The Scary Scale. Ooh, I and like that. I give Snow White a seven out of 10 on spooks and scares. And actually, uh, so while they were creating the movie, Walt Disney encouraged um, their animators and writers to go and see other movies that were on theaters. And so it did have influences of Nosferatu, which I've seen and is very spooky. Dracula. Yeah, it's Spooky Spooky. I watched it in yeah. college for a philosophy class. Um, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Caligari, which I think is similar to Nosferatu as far as thematics go. I have no and idea. And then Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I so those three like, were, especially the Queens, like, transformation into the old hat. Yeah. The internet was like, this is where this is coming from. Yeah, I you could definitely think. see that. Um, and so I think that's very much where the spooks and scares come from. That old lady is one of the scary images um, in film for me. I mean, like, her transformation is really scary, if I were not expecting it. I also think, like, even the forest scene, and that was one of the things I read about in the Grimm Brothers, was that, like, the forest was this, like, um, this motif in... German folklore that the, the forest is unknown, it's scary, that's where the danger is. Like that's where Hansel and Gretel go to, yeah. like on their way to wherever they're going. Um, and you you can like there's alligators, like it's really creepy. Yeah. it's I mean, it's the wilderness. Another religious motif. Well, but like it is a wilderness where like there is unknown, but there's also like protection in the wilderness. Um, it's where people yeah. retreat, but also where people are endangered, depending on who you are and what's happening. Thanks, Columbia. <laughs> what are we doing in the next episode, Natalie? Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio. Can't wait. Snow White is easy to criticize. Um, it's still definitely not my favorite movie. 100% not my favorite Disney princess. Um, but I do, it does, based on our research, sound like we have a lot to thank Snow White for. For Yeah. Reading animation feature films in the first place i'll see you guys next week with this has been wolf disney thanks for listening our theme song is lamb and wolf by Poddington bear see you next week